I'm Representative Liz Olson. I'm Representative Jamie Long. And we're the co-hosts of the Minnesota Values Podcast. Every week, Liz and I bring you real stories from real Minnesotans about the values that inspire action at our state capitol and in our communities. Listen anywhere podcasts are available. Well, hello, Minnesota Values Podcast listeners. Welcome back to Season 2. Representative Liz Olson here. And this is Representative Jamie Long. And we are super excited to be kicking off our next season of the Minnesota Values Podcast. As you know, last session, we went through all of our top 10 bills. We talked to all of our bill authors. We even had a special episode at the State Fair where we talked to Minnesotans all across the state about their values and what we were doing in St. Paul. And today we're going to be kicking off something very exciting, aren't we? We are. So we're, we're on season two. And so we had such fun at the State Fair talking to individual Minnesotans that that's going to be our focus this season is doing real stories, talking to real people about our priorities and their priorities, our shared priorities. Uh, but before we do that, we have a very special guest. Yes, we do. So welcome to the show, Governor Walls. Well, thank you both for having me. The Studio here with the ferns around us is awesome. I think your your listeners would want to know how great it is in here. But uh, glad to be with you, and also thank you for doing this. I think you're right of being the the people's house and providing a voice for what those values are. I I love that idea when you're at the state fair and. People sure tell you what they care about, and uh, I know that the two of you and your colleagues are listening. Absolutely. So we call this the Minnesota Values Podcast, and it's part of our uh, ecosystem with the Minnesota Values Plan, which was the vision that the House laid out after talking to Minnesotans around the state about what our shared values are and what we want to do together. That's what led to that, that top 10 bill. So I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, why does it matter to set out a values vision and try to hold that out to the public? Well, everything we do is around that. I oftentimes talk about last year was a budget year. Uh, a budget is not just a fiscal document. It's a moral document. It's it's a, truly a reflection of our values. And when you were talking about health care for all, you were talking about a quality education for every child, uh, thinking about climate and you know our responsibilities around those, uh, it drives what we do here. And then the, the legislation and the things that we put in place are leading towards that. So I have to uh, compliment the House. I thought you had a, a, a big vision. I I think it was a bold vision, um, and it was a practical vision that will not only do the right things for Minnesota, it'll grow our economy, allow us to be able to continue to do that. So we were able to sign some of those things into law. Um, I don't write the laws. I just help on the other side, but certainly a privilege when we were in on the different things you were able to do. Yeah, we were pretty excited of our top 10 bills. We, we count two wins. We got wage theft, and we got uh, funding for broadband around the state. Yeah, and we want to just say thank you for being a good partner, and that's a big part of how we get this work done is when we work together, and I think it's awesome we're kicking off our first podcast of the year together, and I think that's fitting for these values that unite what you're doing in the executive office, what we're doing in the legislature, and really help shape those 10 bills and help get two across the finish line even in divided government. That's right, and the, the bills themselves are important, but you're, I, I think your listeners are seeing dysfunction at the federal level. We have to fix that. We have to bring something back. We're still functioning here, doing things right. And the legislature is writing bills out talking. Uh, we're able to help then we're able to implement them and all of us together providing a vision. So glad to be here with you. I'm looking forward to another productive year. And uh, hopefully, as folks know, uh, there's consequences to who's in office. And if you want to see those those two big wins turn into 10 big wins, we've got work to do. 
Absolutely. And that's why we're glad to be here. And one of the things we're going to be focusing on, we believe that, you know, the story is what really powers the work we do here. And that's really what's behind each one of those top 10 bills. We were able to go through them with the bill authors last year, but this year we really want to put more of the human face on it. And we're going to be spending these podcasts interviewing people from across the state to talk about our top 10 bills, but through that. So I know you're, you're of the people and, you know, you live in community, you have your two kids, you're out and you do a lot. And I've been really impressed watching you in particular over the last month where you've spent your focus. And as you go into session and we think about, we're going to talk about priorities in a minute, but what's a story or something that's really sticking with you as you head into session that will be kind of some fuel for the work we're going to do? I want to applaud you for this idea of a public narrative. We're hearing this in a lot of other spaces. The public narrative matters about who we are. And I think telling these stories, I, I tried to do a little of that in my first state of the state by highlighting why mm-hmm. Highway 14 and transportation matters and why these things matter. And you're right about the stories and they come up at times you might not expect it. And they, when they're told to you, they're told with such emotion and such passion. And, I, and I'll just speak to one of, of why these issues who, that can get us really derailed on partisan, well, why they matter to people. I was had the privilege and was over at an event that was honoring um, those victims of intimate partner homicides, domestic violence. We had 20 women and children killed by an intimate partner. And um, we recognized them. We recognized the work. They, uh, they read the names. And, and put the picture so we, we attach a person, a real person, to each of these names. And there was a family came up to me afterwards, and, and they mentioned why for them. And it was their, these are tragic because it's their dad killed their mom, and, and it's that type of thing. But they said, we knew dad was struggling with mental illnesses. We knew he was hoarding firearms. We knew if we had the opportunity to present a case, we might have been able to remove those firearms, get him the care, and we would have both mom and dad with us today. And they said, that's why when we hear you talk about things like red flag laws, this is not to try and gin up, you know, arguments. It's not to try and infringe on someone's Second Amendment rights. It's to try and listen to those heartbreaking stories of a family who said, what was a mechanism here to protect our mom and dad, um, which was a mental health and another one of your priorities of trying to get us that. So those are the things that matter. Those are the stories that are so personal and they come across on so many different issues. That's just being one I heard here just last week. That's really powerful. And it does tie exactly into our legislative agenda and the work that you focused on, you know, this year and have really prioritized that we don't just pull these things out of thin air. We do them by listening to Minnesotans who are pleading with us to take action at the Capitol. And we need to tell those stories and lift them up. And I think that's a really great illustration of why we need to listen and why we need to legislate with the people in mind all the time. And the red flag bill was one of our top 10 bills. We did an episode on it last time, and that's a really powerful example of why it's so important that we continue to push there. You're hearing them, and it it does matter. And I I think when you hear people, and we can strike balances on these things, but, I mean, this is real life. A family that told us, had you been able to do this, and, and we know the data supports us in places that have done this. So when your listeners are out there and they're torn about what does this mean and is it just the usual fight between gun owners and that, no, it's Minnesotans really wondering how they can keep their mom alive, get their dad the mental health he can get, and use the right. system to protect everyone. And right. that's We can do this, and there was not a single thing in that entire conversation that was in any way meant to infringe on someone else's right, right. to buy a firearm to go hunting, to own that firearm, but it was a recognition that if somebody's struggling, let's have a mechanism to help. Right. So we're 
recording this the week before session starts, so we're getting yeah. back to the table next week after a long break. What What's at the top of your mind as we're heading into session? Well, first of all, I think it's important for your listeners to, to know that um, while we officially have uh, sessions that run about four months and they, they try and say part-time legislators, nothing could be further from the truth. I have never seen the more harder-working people there in every corner of the state. Each of you I've seen at countless events over the year you're certainly not being paid for that and you're out there doing it so thank you for that and i think um from those stories and listening to you is this is a year that minnesota takes care of the needs of its capital investments making sure that those things that make minnesota great our roads our bridges our infrastructure our universities our housing stock all of those things are taken care of and we are well positioned because of the work that i think has been done over multiple legislative sessions we are in a strong position to be able to uh to leverage some uh, some dollars to get a, a robust local jobs project. And you're vetted them. We've vetted them. These are smart things out there. These are mayors and city councils and chamber of commerce and nonprofits all supporting these. We're in a position to do this, and we're going to make the case that uh, that a robust bonding proposal is the way to go. Absolutely. And to tie it, it's a, we had that as part of our top 10 package last year some infrastructure and that's obviously going to be a big focus this year and you've laid out a really good case and have done a great job managing the state in a way that we're at a good time to do this in these investments it was interesting enough too that this really ties to minnesota values you'd you'd think bonding gets boring really quick but that's the opposite it's really about communities being connected it's about jobs it's about making investments around housing around water around all of these things that actually tie to what minnesotans are asking us to do that really is ma- what makes Minnesota so great. So it's not far from a values-based oh, thing, even though it's... It is not. And I, yeah. I would say amen to all of that. And I think for those out there listening, uh, when somebody said, well, Governor Walls put forward his local jobs project, his bonding bill. I didn't. I echoed what Minnesotans told me. It was the city of Detroit Lakes that talked about water treatment plants. It was right. it was being 90 foot down in the sewers of Minneapolis to walking with a hydrologist, speaking of stories of experts telling us You know why those uh, manhole covers were popping in the rain? Because our system is overloaded because of climate events that need to be addressed. When Detroit Lakes is asking for state money to build their water treatment plant, they built that to a specification of not for a 500-year flood, but for a 1,000-year flood because guess what? They've seen three 500-year floods in the last decade. Right. I heard about that uh, Minneapolis sewer visit. It was. I, I would encourage both of you to go on it sometime. It is fascinating. <laughs> Sounds like they timed it just right so there wasn't a rain event. On <laughs> how to get out in a hurry. So, But it's fascinating. And, and I think public works, folks, and it's again, it's not super exciting or whatever, but when you've got a 100-year-old tunnel that could shut down one of America's great cities, and it's simply the fact is we're going to get more water. You need to fix this before the time you know, it collapses. We have historically low interest rates. We need to do it. Picking an arbitrary number and saying you disagree with what I put forward, I've asked them to at least give the look at each of these projects and weigh them on their merit. I, we're talking about uh, the the seawall in uh, in Duluth. It's an absolute priority, not a nice to have thing. Absolute priority of our great one of our great cities. Absolutely, and being a Duluth legislator, if you're going to come up and run Grandma's Marathon or go on our boardwalk, let alone just survive another climate event, it's important. So thanks for mentioning that. Um, but now we're going to get to the fun part. Of right. the, if this wasn't already fun, right. we're going to get to the really fun part of what is an interesting fact that maybe Minnesotans don't know about you, Governor. Well, I uh, I would say this: I'm a I'm a relatively accomplished mechanic on old vehicles. I have kind of restored. I'm not doing the body work, but I have an old 1979 International Harvester, 
and I can turn the wrench on on quite a few things. And uh, I know I kind of impressed my children. They don't have any idea why I would know how to do some of the things I can do on that. So having grown up around equipment and things like that, I like to do that. That's a good one. I bring an old car by later. There you go. Let me know. And (laughs) I I said I wouldn't have known this. There was a few people knew this about me. And you never know what's going to get you involved in a legislative debate. Uh, The right to repair bill now. (laughs) They said the governor turns his own wrenches. So there you go. That's a personal issue for you. It is. It's a personal interest. So so I think that's it. uh, A few of those types of things. And I I think sometimes make CSS two-dimensional. They don't know where we came from before. And I said, I, I really enjoy that. And I, I watch all these classic car auctions. Of course, I can't ever afford them. I just, I just, uh, my wife says, every time I'm watching one of these auctions for these classic cars, she goes, yes, I know you should have kept your Camaro from high school and it would be worth a lot of money, but you didn't. So let it go. And so, Do you have any good uh, mechanic analogies that you can provide for the session? Well, yes, I can tell you if you think you're going to wait to replace your brakes, you're going to end up in a big problem. If we're going to wait to fix these roads, if we're going to wait to fix these water treatment plants, it's not going to get any cheaper. It's going to get more dangerous, and we have it now. So turn the wrench now, put the money in, keep our value of that vehicle up. And that's what I would say about Minnesota. I love that. That's great. That's a good slogan, turn the wrench now. Yep. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for all your work. We appreciate and the, the values that the uh, the DFL House Caucus is, is putting forward are certainly the stories I'm hearing echoed. So look forward to working with you this session. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to throw in one more bonus question. So we, last year we had wage theft as the big win. Are, yeah. there, are there any new any topics or big wins that you think we might be able to, to pull out that uh, we might not have been expecting going into session? Well, I think this is probably near and dear to your heart. I, I think we should look at uh, a 2050 plan on uh, removing carbon. We should go for a clean energy first type of plan that I know Senate Republicans have put forward. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and be the optimist in this. Uh, they're hearing from their people, too, that climate change is real. And I think we should look at that. If there's a plan that we can put forward and move a clean energy plan for Minnesota, I, I think the potential is there. And there's there's just a lot of interest amongst Minnesotans to do that. So that's my hope that that'd be the big win. Well, I I share that hope, and thank you so much for your leadership on climate. We appreciate you just being a partner with us, and I think it sets a good tone that we're podcast one. Here we are together. So thank you so much, Governor. Yeah, have a great session.